0: How you doing? I don't. I don't think the people outside heard you. How you doing tonight? Woo. I'll tell you what. There's a lot more people in here than year one. A little bit. Y'all did good. Hey, we opened up the side. Hey, look. We got a. We got a pretty cool message tonight. First and foremost, I got to celebrate you guys. We're at two years because of you guys. You invited somebody. You brought people in. I just need to hear you guys yell. Let me hear you give yourself a hand, a loud. Let me hear you yell. Like you're the only reason all these people are here tonight. Let me hear you. Come on. Yeah. So hey, tonight, tonight, what I need you guys to do? I gotta have you. I gotta have you jacked, all right? Because I'm jacked, all right. Like I already told our cameraman, he needs to be ready. Like I'm gonna be walking all over the platform tonight. So I need you loud. I need you excited. I don't need you sitting still. Tonight, what I want to do is uh. I want you guys to help me out with something real quick. So, how many wrestling fans do we have in here? Yeah, all right, all, right, all right. Oh, wow. How many wrestling fans we got in here? <laughs> okay, okay. How many of you guys know who Ric Flair is? Woo! <laughs> oh, wow. Ric Flair, woo! <laughs> Every time he has... Here's what I need tonight. If I tell you I need two claps and a Ric Flair, I need to hear you go, <laughs> woo! Can y'all do that for me? Let's try it one time. I need you guys to give me a, a two claps and a Ric Flair. <laughs> All right, that's not good enough. Two claps and a Ric Flair. Two claps and a Ric Flair. Two claps and a Ric Flair. That's what I'm talking about. Are you guys pumped? I'm pumped. Are y'all pumped? Hey, look, I've been so excited for this message. Those of y'all that didn't follow me on Twitter, like I've been posting about it all month long. I have been pumped since Motion. I've had something on my heart. All right, we went to Motion 16. It was awesome. It was amazing. We got to see Hillsong Young and Free, and they sang a song called When the Fight Calls. And that song just, I mean, it just stuck out to me. The word fight has been on my heart all month long, and I wanted to, to bring that to you guys because here's the thing. I feel like there's something that needs to be addressed tonight. As us as believers. I feel like we got to address something. Would you guys agree if I told you that, that I feel like culture is kind of on a decline? Would you all agree with me? Y'all think culture is kind of going downhill a little bit? Think about it. It's crazy, guys. Think about how culture is right now. Like, guys, there's mass shootings everywhere. There's people getting away with with murder. There's just crazy stuff going on. There's athletes that are getting away with things that back in the day would not have been considered socially acceptable. Would you agree that society kind of allows things to 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 get away with? Remember back in the day, you say, "Oh, that's not socially acceptable. That's not allowed." Do y'all think that do y'all kind of agree that Maybe culture, society kind of lets you get away with stuff that you used to not be able to at all. Like, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. Y'all agree with that? Now, here's the other thing, though. I think it's crazy because back in the day, our faith, it was okay to be a believer. It was okay to, to, to love God and trust. Like, people are like, oh, that's awesome. You're a believer. You go to church. That's, that's great. But I think today's culture has kind of gotten to the point where when they hear that you're a believer, when they hear that you're a follower, it's not, it's not really socially acceptable. Do you guys agree with that? You think they kind of try to take us and they stick us in a box, right? Like as believers, because we live out loud because we're crazy. You guys crazy? Yeah. Two claps in a Ric Flair. <laughs> right? You guys are crazy. They try to put us in a box. They say, look, your faith has to be contained right here. It has to fit right here, right? If you're a believer, as long as you stay in the confines of this box, it's okay. So that's what we're going kind to of, kind of look at tonight. Look at why society wants you to, to bend to their will. Like, hey, it's okay if you love God. But I just need you to love him this way. You can't love him the way you want to. As long as it fits in the box, it's okay. And you know, we have a dog at home named Remington. If you've ever been to our house, Remy, Remy loves people, okay? Like Remy's favorite thing to do is he's like, oh my god, there's people here, there's people here, there's people here, people here. Have I met that person? <laughs> have I met that person? Have I... let me sniff you. Let me see. Do I like you? Have I met you? Like that's what Remy does. Now Remy is a 50 to 60 pound shepherd. Okay? He's an Australian shepherd, so he's not like a full big German shepherd. He's an Australian shepherd, so he's a little smaller. But he's a, he's a pretty big dog. He's got long legs. If you saw him running out in the backyard, you'd think he was a deer, okay? Remy really does love people. Remy just lives his life happy, okay? Like, Remy jumps around. Like, he's happy when he meets people. Like, Remington wants to sit in your lap. He thinks he's a 10-pound chihuahua, but really he's not. Like, if you're sitting on the couch, Remy's like, hey, how are you? Hey, what you eating? Hey, can I sit here? Can I be here? Like, he wants to be on top of you at all times. Like, Remy wants to stay stuck right where you are. Like, Remington... He's not happy unless he's touching you. Like if we're sitting on the couch if Emily and I are at home watching a movie, he's got to be at least touching your feet like something. Now the downside to Remy, Remy's the worst guard dog ever, like ever. Remington, Remington is scared to death of everything. Okay. We have a bottle warmer at home for Addison's our little infant daughter. Oh, so we have this little bottle warmer. Well, when it gets real hot, it hisses. So it's like, if Remy's in the kitchen, like, what is that? What is that? Hold on. What's going on? Like, I can't take this. Like, something's, like, something's creepy going on. He'll just get, he'll run off. If Remy hears you open the closet door, he knows it's game on. Remy knows you're about to vacuum the house. If he's in the furthest back of the room, he's like, I got to go. Like, if he barely hears the latch on the closet door open, he is freaking out. He's like, I got to go. I don't like vacuum. I don't want to be around the vacuum. I don't like it. Well, we also have a, 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 a Husky at home. Husky. I know. I forgot. Yukon. We have Yukon at home. Yukon's a husky. Yukon is, Yukon's a little crazier, but Yukon's not afraid of anything. Like when I back, when I come out in the backyard and I go, uh, I go mow the lawn and clean and do all that stuff. When I'm done, I blow it off with a blower. Yukon gets so excited. He sits there and he's like, blow in my face. Come on, take it. Just take it. And he sits there. He looks like a, like a, some type of shampoo commercial. He's like, oh yeah, I like it. I do it. Like his hair's in the wind. Like he just wants to sit right in front of you. Remington, far back of the yard. Yeah. He's like, You can't, don't go there. No, that's not, I don't know what that is, but whatever it's doing to you, it is not safe. Stay away from it. Remy's scared of everything. When you know Remy is scared, when he tucks his tail and he runs off. But you know, that's how culture wants to view you. That's how culture wants to view you as a believer. Culture wants you to be like Remington. Culture wants to, when they they question your faith, when they question what you are, when they question what you believe, they expect you to take your tail, they expect you to tuck it, and they expect you to run off. See, culture, culture doesn't like us being as believers. They don't like us living out loud and being largely things. They expect us to, to pack up our toys and go home. Like if we're out in the yard and we're playing in the sandbox out, on, out in the public playground, they're just like, hey, nobody wants you here, Christian. Go home. Like nobody wants you what you have. Take your toys and go home. Take, take your tail, tuck it, and go. That's how culture views us as believers. And so, when I think about that, it reminded me, when I was in middle school, guys, I was a nerd. Now, I know that's hard to believe, okay, because I feel like I'm quite debonair, and I feel like I'm, I'm kind of cool, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm cute, I'm cool, it's all right. But look, I was a dork, all right? You want to know how much of a dork I was? I used to think it was cool to rock coloroid overalls. Do you even know what that is? Not only that, they had the Tasmanian devil on it. I will not show you pictures. I thought I was the coolest kid. I even sometimes had one of them undone. You know, I was kind of cool. I was like, yeah, rocking my Looney Tunes. I had, I had the bowl cut straight down the middle, over. And guys, I had these glasses that were like this. What's crazy is I guess they're getting back in style, but the glasses were so big, they covered like the bottom half of your eye, which I never understood why it did that. Like, I'm only looking here. And I'm wearing these big glasses, thick as can be. I mean, you could see to China. You could see through a wall with those things. I don't have no idea why I was considered a nerd in middle school, but I got picked on all the time. We lived on the street. All these kids were there, and we had these boys that were bullies on the street, two brothers. Now, I kid you not, when I tell you this, you're going to think I'm making it up, but their names were the Skeleton Brothers, right? Their last name was Skeleton. It sounds like a movie, but that's who they were. They were the Skeleton Brothers. One of them was kind of like pinky in the brain. One of them was the brain, and the other one was, well, more of the muscle. Well, they picked on everybody, but I always somehow was the target. At some point, I have no idea why, rocking those, those overalls, that haircut, and them glasses. I don't know why I was being picked on. But that's who I was. I was getting picked on. Well, our bus stop, we lived in this big neighborhood. It made this big circle. And at our, where we lived at, I had to walk about three or four like streets down to get to the bus stop. And I remember one time, I went to the bus stop. I had to walk all the way down there. I get there. And whenever I was at the bus stop, my, my, my idea was I just got to make it on the bus. Like I just got I to gotta, I gotta make it through getting picked on. I got to make it through getting like poked and prodded and punched and made fun of as long as I can get on the bus. As soon as I got on the bus, I sat behind the bus driver because nobody's going to pick on me. You know, we had this like crazy older lady that didn't take no foolishness. You guys have that on your bus? Like you got that lady like I'm not going to take any foolishness. That's what she was. So I knew if I got on the bus and sat behind her, I I was safe. All right. I couldn't get picked on. I was good. Well, one day it got a little bit crazier. They decided to pick on me a little bit more. And I remember them, like, I remember trying to tie my shoe, and one of them just, like, kicking me square in the face, like, just, just straight up. Like, they just thought it was funny. Every The bus stop thought it was funny. I don't know why, but I thought, just run, all right? So I run across the street, and in this street where we were at, there was this massive ditch. I don't know what I thought I was going to do, but they decided to chase me. They're kicking, punching, they're throwing me. They pick me up, and they throw me in the ditch. Guys, I just lay there. Like, I just stayed. Like, I was defeated. Like, I was like, all right, I've been beat. I'm not getting up out of this. There's nothing I can do. I just lay there. Bus came. All the kids are laughing. Nobody even told the bus driver I was there. They just left me. So I lay there thinking, like, I just got beat up in front of everybody, and I have no what to do. I got myself up. I walked back home crying because I had gotten beat up. My glasses were bent. I probably had a bloody nose. Like, I was busted. My Looney Tunes overalls were dirty. All right, like, I, I, I had been defeated. Got home, got there. My mom's like, why are you not on the bus? What are you doing? And she, I told her the whole story. She's like, well, let's go get some ice cream. I'm like, well, I'll get beat up every day for this. <laughs> but you know, I kind of feel like that's culture for us. Culture is the skeleton brothers. Culture's going to do everything it can to beat you guys down. Culture's going to do everything it can to, to kick you and poke you and prod you and make fun of you. They're going to do every single thing that they can to, 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 to give you a hard time. They want to see how you react. They want to see what you're going to do. They want to see what, what happens if they just keep pushing you down. Will you shut it down? Will you shut it down as a believer? Will you shut it down as a Christian? As, if, if society just says, hey, if I, if I keep giving it to them, if I keep, keep poking them, prodding them and doing them, then they're going to feel defeated. That's exactly how society, how I felt that day. I was walking home defeated. And I feel like sometimes with culture... That's how they expect us to do. They expect us to walk away with this. I wrote down a couple things that, that with our faith, with our faith, we've got to have a a certain type of faith. We got to have a, a faith that's got a fight in us. We got to have a faith that won't take any crap. We got to have a faith that that when we take those licks, we get right back up and we get right back to moving. And here's what I wrote down. I want you guys to put this in your notes. Here's what I want you to know about our faith. First and foremost, our faith in God is not passive. Our faith in God is not passive. Guys, our faith has an aggressive edge. It has an aggressive edge. You want to know why? Because we have an aggressive edge because we have one purpose, and that's to show people Christ. We have an aggressive, we have an aggressive edge because that's what's at stake, showing people Christ. I said that we've got to have this fighting faith. We've got to have this fighting faith that fights for God. We've got to have that, that, that fight down inside of us. And the last thing I put down is the reason that we've got to have this fighting faith because in the end, guys, when you hold on to your faith, when you fight for your faith, one day you're going to show somebody that really needs to see God, you're going to show them who he is. And you're going to show them what it's like to have that type of faith in your life, to have that hold on to it. I want you guys to write down this verse. And it's, First, it's First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, and it really is what tonight is based on, what tonight's message is based on. Here's what it says. It says, fight the good fight of faith. I want you to underline that, that fight of faith, all right? Underline that. Write it in your notes. Here's what it says. Grabbing hold of the life that continues forever, you were called to have that life when you confess the good confessions before many witnesses. I want you guys to hold on to that. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. How many of you guys know who Thomas Edison is? Thomas Edison, famous? If you don't, you haven't been paying attention in history class. Thomas Edison, famous inventor. What's he, what's he most known for inventing? The light, bulb, right? the light bulb, right? Like if he hadn't invented it, we'd be sitting here by candlelight, right? Like we'd be sitting here with candles and we got to take them off. We got to blow them out. We got to relight them. That's how we would be living our life. Well, you know, he's also famous for doing some other things. He invented this thing called a phonograph and I got a picture of it for you. The phonograph is a giant record player, right? You can see it's got a huge like horn thing on the top of it. He invented this. Here's the thing though. Thomas Edison spent years, years working on these things. He wasn't just known for these. He had a ton of other inventions that he did. Well, the way the story goes is that early in Thomas Edison's life, when he's working on all these things, before he's even designed the phonograph, what ends up happening is his entire warehouse goes up in flames. Everything, everything he has, everything he's worked for, all his work, all his papers, everything he's owned, it said that, that if it was in today's today's currency, back then when it happened, that it would equal over $350,000 that just went up in flames. That's just the stuff. That's not the building as well. And they say that the fire was so large you could have seen it from miles and miles away. Well, the way the story goes is that his son sees his fire, knows it's his, his father's place, and he's going to find out where he is. He's looking for his dad. He's worried. Is my dad inside? Is, is Thomas Edison inside? Who's He finds his dad. And first thing his dad does, he starts worrying like, hey, where's your mom? Have you seen your mom? Do you know where your mom is? And so they find his mom. And so they found everybody. And his son's like, dad, everything you work for is gone. Everything you've put your life into is gone. Everything you've done for years is gone. It's not here anymore. And so he says, it's okay, son. First and foremost, I have you guys. And second thing is, is that, that thank God we can start anew. We can start over. And that was his attitude. His son was kind of pushed back. And you know what happened is it even said a few weeks later, he redid everything he did and he designed the phonograph and put it out there. That changed, think about it, that changed music for us. That changed everything. Here's the thing with Thomas Edison. His entire life went up with smoke. He had every reason to quit. He had every reason to stop. He was beat down, guys, like plain and simple. Like he had been beat. He had to start from scratch. They didn't have insurance back then. They didn't have all these things. Like he's gone. Like he's starting over. But he said, you know what? It's just another chance for us to start anew. It's another chance for us to, to start over. And that's where Thomas Edison did. He did that exact thing. You know, here's the thing, guys, about the enemy. The enemy's good. Okay, the enemy's legit, right? Like, the enemy's no rookie. The enemy's got more tricks up his sleeve than we could ever imagine in our entire life. But you want to know what? I could care less how good the enemy is because our God is the OG. Our God is the original God. It's original. See? He's the OG. Our God is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. So it doesn't matter what the enemy, it doesn't matter how good the enemy is. It doesn't matter what the enemy can do to us. See, here's the thing. Here's what we're going to look at tonight. If you're going to have a fight inside you, if you're going to have a a fight inside you, you got to have a, you got to have a fight, a faith that fights. That's what I want you to write down tonight. We even put up here a faith that fights. I want you guys to hold on to this for the rest of the year. When you walk away tonight, that's the one thing I want you to know is that you have a, a faith that fights. Fight the cultural norm. Fight the fact that, you're, that your high schools and society tell you how you should live your life as a Christian. Who is society to tell us who our God is? Who is society to tell us what our God looks like? Who is society to tell us how we should worship our God? Have a faith that fights. Say it with me. Faith that fights. Faith that fights. Say it again. Faith that fights. Faith that fights. Faith, that, faith fights. that fights. Come on. Have a faith that fights. Be loud about it. Faith that fights. Faith, faith that fights. That fights. Faith if we're going to have that faith that fights, we've got to have four components that I believe puts us in that fight. The first one that I put down for you guys is you've got to finish the fight and you've got to fight to finish. Finish the fight and fight to finish. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have raced. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know, when I read that, you know what that verse tells us? is when you read that first, you've got to be a contender. You've got to be a fighter. Any athlete that's ever won a national championship, everything, do you think they quit when, when they were beat down? Do you think they quit when they lost that one game? Do you think they quit when, when it was fourth quarter and it's down and done? No, they were fighters. They have a fighter's mentality. I want you guys to walk away having a, what I call a pit bull mentality. Like pit bulls don't back down from anything. Pit bulls are known to be mean. That's, what, that's, the, that's, the, that's the stereotype that they get. But we know it, it, you know what it, is, what it is about a pit bull? Is that they're not going to back down. It doesn't matter how big their enemy is. When they feel challenged, they could be a little 10-pound pit bull, and there's a 60-pound dog in front of them. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to fight until it's over. And that's the type of mentality that I want you guys to have tonight. I want you to have a pit bull mentality because guess what? The enemy is going to try and trip you up. The enemy is going to try to do everything it can to make you fall, to make you stumble, to, 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 to get those licks in. That's what the enemy is going to do to us because, guys, the enemy is good. Like the enemy wants to do everything it can to pull us away from God. That's what the enemy is made for. But you know what? God always has the upper hand. God always has the upper hand. Our God always has the edge. Our God will always come out on top. Our God will always beat the enemy. It doesn't matter if our life feels like we are spiraling out of control. God is good. And God's going to be in your corner. God's going to defend you from everything that you have. Guys, it doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. It doesn't matter even today if you said things you shouldn't. It doesn't matter if you made decisions that you shouldn't have today. It doesn't matter if you did something before you walked in here that you said, hey, I can't walk into a church. I just did this. You want to know why it doesn't matter? Because it really doesn't matter how you start the race. It matters how you finish it. Have you guys been watching any of the Olympics? Watching those? You guys know who Usain Bolt is? Guys, Usain Bolt, he's an athlete. He is a freak of nature. You want to know one of my favorite things? I'm a gloater, okay? If you know me, I love gloating. If I'm going to win, I'm going to make sure you know, all right? If I'm winning, that's, who, that's just who I am. Whether that's of Christ or not, I probably need to pray about it, but that's who I am. I'm a gloater. That's who Usain Bolt is. He's a, a, a gloater. And there's a, a famous picture of him. Now, here's the thing. You see in this picture, he has this, like, smirk on his face he's laughing. He's like, I got you. Like, I got you beat. Like, I got another gold medal in my pocket and there's nothing you can do but let me turn around and look at you and smirk. He's like, hey, picture. That's who Usain Bolt is. But you want to know what's crazy? Usain Bolt is hands down the worst starter in the entire Olympics. Have you ever watched any of his races? He, he's the last one out of the gun, last one out of, the, out of there. He's the last one off the racks. He is hands down the worst starter. But you want to know what? Do you think Usain Bolt cares? No, No. because he has a fighting mentality inside of him. He's like, you know what? I may start slow. I may have messed up. I may not be the best at it. But guess what? I'm going to catch you and I'm going to pass you. And then I'm going to turn around and laugh at you because I got you beat. Usain Bolt needs to be us with our faith. These guys you see behind them needs to be the enemy. We need to take time. We need to turn around and laugh. Like, I could care less what you do to me. I could care less where you've hurt me. I could care less where you bring me down. Because guess what? At the end of the day, my God is good. My God's going to have the edge. And my God's always going to win. That's the type of mentality that I want you guys to have. That's how I want you to view the enemy. To look back and say, ha ha, I got you. Do you know a boxer has two goals? There's two main goals for a boxer. First and foremost, that at the end of the last round, he's still standing. And then his second goal, which is his most important, is that he gives more than he receives. Here's the thing about that, guys. You're going to take some punches. You're going to take some haymakers. You're going to take some hits that are going to leave you bleeding. You're going to take some hits that are, that are going to leave you staggered. You have no idea who you are. You're going to make decisions in your life that you're like, how in the world did I get here? But you know what? Have a faith that fights. Have a faith that at the end of the day, you don't care because I've given more than I've taken and at the end of the day, I'm still standing. That's the type of, of faith that I want you guys to have because here's that, if you have that faith, here's the other type of faith that you gotta have for your fight. You gotta have a fight that is not passive. You could even flip that and say, you gotta have a faith that's not passive. That's the type of, of faith we gotta have. See guys, I know there's moments where you feel outnumbered. I know the schools that you go to I know you walk into the school sometimes, and it's full of people that you think, I'm the only believer in this entire school. I know you walk through that. Whether you're in college, high school, middle school, whatever it is, I know you have those days where you think, there's no other believers in this school. I can't make a difference. Guys, when you say that to yourself, when you say, I can't make a difference, you're passive, and you've become passive. Passive. And you know what you've done? You've allowed the world to win. You've allowed the the enemy to beat you. You got to remember, guys, our God is the OG. Our God is the goat. Nobody can beat our God. Psalms 37, 24. I think this, I honestly think this was written for this point right here. And it says, if they stumble, they will not fall. Because the Lord holds their hand. If they stumble, if you get hit, if the enemy gets a jab in, if the enemy takes you, if you have that fight inside of you, guys, if you have a God on your side, if you have a God that, that can't be taken down, guys, you're not going to stumble. You're not going to fall. He's going to be right there with you. That's the type of fight that you got to have. Guys, God is with you. God has got you. I heard it said one time that tough times pass, but tough people don't. Tough times always pass but tough people don't because you have built a shell around you. That's what it means to be a Christian. Sometimes we got to have thick skin. We got to have a fight inside of us. We got to be able to take those hits. We got to be able to take what society says to us. We got to be able to take how society tells us to, to view our faith. That's what it means to have that, that yeah, there's going to be times that are going to come and go, but you're a tough person and you're not going to pass. You're going to keep on going and you're going to keep on trucking. Here's the thing, guys. I think your generation catches more flack than any other generation. People say that your generation is nothing but lazy. They say that your generation has no idea what it means to work for something. They say that your generation does nothing but wants to do this. They don't want to talk to people. They say that your generation is the generation that's going to bring America to its knees because they feel like you have no idea how to actually work for something because you don't actually believe in anything. You just do what culture tells you to. You just do what everybody tells you. You just go with the flow. That's what That's what people say about your generation. Guys, I simply do not believe that. I don't agree. Do you guys agree with it? Do you guys agree with it? I don't. I don't believe at all. Here's what I say. Guys, your generation is outspoken for a reason. Your generation is connected for a reason. Your generation is going to be the next generation of leaders that's doing this right here. Your generation is the next generation that's going to be leading churches. That's going to be doing missions. That's going to be bringing people to Christ. That's going to be bringing other people in. Guys, your generation not lazy. Your generation doesn't know what it means not to work for anything. You want to know why I know your generation doesn't believe it? You don't have to work for anything? This right here. Because you guys did this. We started with one student two years ago, and we're sitting in a room full of 50 students. Because you, agree, you fight for something. You heard Matt say it. Guys, we sat here for months with like six or seven people. You want to talk about awkward? Like, you're like one person over here, one person's over here. You're like, I'm just kind of worshiping by myself. You know, everybody's like, hey, welcome to Bay students. You hear like two claps. But you guys fight for it. That's why I don't, I simply don't, I don't believe this. Real quick, here's a couple things that we got to have when it comes to not having a passive faith, not having a, a passive fight. First thing is, guys, that the enemy never takes a break. That's the one thing I want you guys real quick to take away from that. The enemy never takes a break. It is content on destroying your life. That's what the enemy wants to do with everything. John 10.10 10 says that the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's all the enemy's for. That's all they everything to do. They don't take a break. They don't ever back down from anything. They're just going to keep going at you. Guys, the enemy wants to destroy our faith. The enemy wants to take us away from these things. The enemy wants to destroy it from us. John, 10, uh, John chapter ten, verse 12 shares this really cool analogy. And it talks about a, a shepherd. Now, shepherds are the people that actually own the sheep. Now, they hired people to help take care of the sheep. And I want to read this parable to you real quick and tell you how in the world does a shepherd and a worker, how does that fill in with our life and having a final life? Here's what it says in, in, in chapter 10, verse 12. It says, I'm a good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The worker who is paid to keep the sheep is different from the shepherd who owns them. When the worker sees the wolf come and he runs, and leaves the sheep by themselves. Then the wolf attacks the sheep. They scatter everywhere. They're gone. The man runs away because he's only a paid worker, and he really doesn't care about the sheep. I'm a good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know my father, I give my life for the sheep. See, guys, the worker is passive. The worker is passive because he has no ownership. The, sheep on the, the shepherd, on the other hand, has ownership of the sheep. The sheep. He owns them. He cares for them. You want to know what? That's your faith. You own your faith. You don't work for your faith. You own it. It's it's you. It's part of you and your faith is part of who makes you. When you have it inside you, you guys, show ownership for it. Have it. Keep it. Protect it. Don't be the worker. Be the shepherd. Second thing is why you can't have a a passive faith, as I put it down, is that, guys, eternity is at stake. If anything, this is the most important. Not only are our own lives eternity at stake, guys, the lives of your friends, the lives of your family, and the lives of the people that you love the most are at stake. If you're passive, if you have a faith that you don't fight for, guys, those people could spend eternity in hell. That's why it's important not to, to have this type of a faith that's passive. Do you know, I heard it said one time is that unless there's an element of risk, there's no faith involved. You know what that says to me? That says to me that the enemy knows if I just make things easy, you'll give in. Hey, why don't you just, why don't you click on that web page? Why don't you look at that thing you shouldn't? Hey, why don't you go to that party where your friends, like, there's no risk involved. Take that drink, take that drug. You'll be fine pick on that person. Nobody's going to care. Nobody likes that person anyways. They make it easy on you. They say, hey, do this. Go here. Just, hey, why don't you take a little money out of the cash register at work? Nobody's going to know. There's no camera around. You'll get away with it. The enemy makes it easy on you. The enemy knows, hey, if there's no risk involved, you're going to do it. And you're not going to have faith. See guys, when there's risk involved, it means to have faith. Guys, when times get tough, that's when our faith is tested. That's when we've got to look at our faith. That's where we've got to look deep down inside and say, God, help me through this. Walk me through this. That's what it means to have that type of faith. It's, it's risky. Guys, if it wasn't risky, we wouldn't, we wouldn't turn to God. And real quick, the last thing about passive faith is it de- defends our testimony. You are a living, breathing testimony. I heard it said one time, there's 67 books in the Bible, we're the 67th because we're a living, breathing version of the Bible. And I think that shows that's what we need to do. We need to be that. We need to be this living, breathing version. Philippians chapter, chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. Here's what it says. It says, brethren, join in, my fo- in following my example, the notes of those so walk, as you use this as a pattern for many walk and of whom I have told you often now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross and of Christ. Guys, when I read that, that tells me that we have to have a pattern of following Christ. Guys, it's not a here and now decision. It's not a, I follow Christ in the moment. I get caught up in the music and everything. Guys, it's a lifelong fight. It is a battle to the death. We do it for day in and day out. You know, I may be a, I may be a peacemaker when it comes to mankind, but I'm a warrior when it comes to battling the devil. I may be a peacemaker when it comes to dealing with humans and other people, but you put Satan involved, guys, I'm going to take him down. I'm a warrior. I'm out there doing everything that I can because I'm here to fight the good fight. We fight the good fight because we have a love for Christ, because we love who he is. Guys, we fight for for a couple different reasons. One, we fight for our own salvation. We fight for the salvation of others. Guys, we fight because God commands us to. God wants us to be warriors. God wants us to have a a faith that fights. That's what God wants to see in our lives. Philippians chapter two, verse 12 says, you have always obeyed obeyed God when I was with you. It is even more important that you now obey while I'm away from you. Keeping on working to complete your salvation with fear and trembling. God, because God is working in you to help what you do. And be able to do what pleases him. Guys, you have to fight. You have to fight to be a generation of influencers. You got to fight to increase your your circle of influence. You got to fight. You got to fight to build a church that's full of influencers. You got to fight to build a student ministry that's full of influencers. You got to fight to build a school that's full of influencers. You want to know why you got to fight? Because we fight for a cause. We fight for a cause. I'm going to go ahead and invite our worship team back up. And while they do, I want to ask you real quick, how many of you guys are UFC fans in here? You're big UFC fans. Like some UFC, like them fine. Everybody know who Ronda Rousey is? Guys, Ronda Rousey was one of the greatest things that ever happened to UFC. I mean, like, she holds the record for the fastest TKO. She, uh, she had a, a string of wins, and one day she met Holly Holm. All it took was one round kick to the face, and she was out. But I tell you this because here's the thing. How many of you guys see Ronda Rousey anymore? Ronda Rousey's gone. She's not on, on newspapers. She's not in movies. She's not on ESPN. You don't see her anywhere. You want to know why? Because she didn't have any type of faith that fights. Guys, when you do that, you gain influence from fighting. You have an influence that's gained by fighting. That's the last component you got to have. You have an influence that's gained By fighting, See, Ronda Rousey didn't gain any influence, guys. Ronda Rousey has no influence anymore because she stopped, because she gave up. Is that the type of life that we want to live as Christians? When we take a roundhouse kick to the face from the enemy, are we just going to lay there and be like, I'm done, I'm going to cower, I'm going to run away? You lose influence when you do that. Guys, a fight you should have is you're not going to go quietly into the night. You're not going to just let the darkness take you over. You know one single light. One single candle can make darkness go away. Are you, are you going to be that person? Look around right now. Look around at each other. What's so awesome is, guys, is every single one of you are wearing a shirt. You're, guys, you're a mini army. You're full of other people. You're full of other believers. You're this team of people. Guys, don't go quietly tonight. Fight for your generation. Fight to fight the, the, the social norm fight what people say about you fight that that should make you mad inside that should make you mad that your generation's been labeled as lazy that your generation's been labeled as, as somebody that can't do anything that, that the generation that's going to bring America to its knees I mean really could it get any worse than that is that the, is that the label you want to have fight that faith fight the social norm fight to gain influence fight to have those things inside here's the thing though Before you can fight to gain influence, sometimes the fight's on the inside. Sometimes the fight is right here. Sometimes the fight is what's going on right here and right now. I know some of you walked into this room tonight. You've been fighting. You've been dealing with things. Some of you have had terrible days. Some of you walked in here knowing that you're dealing with something that you're like, nobody can understand. Nobody can help me with this. See, guys, when you have a faith that fights, all those things we talk about, that's well and great. That's the type of faith that we want. But sometimes that fight, that fight is for our own faith. And that's what it means to do that. That's what it means to have that fight. And guys, it starts with a relationship with God. That's where it starts at. It starts with having a heart for him. I want you guys real quick tonight to bow your heads for me and close your eyes. Guys, I'm about to give you that Opportunity. I'm about to give you an opportunity to say away with the cultural norms, away with how society views me as a teenager, away with how society is going to tell me how to be a Christian, away with how society is going to tell me how to worship my God. I want to give you guys that opportunity tonight. What I'm going to do, guys, is I'm going to count down to three. I've got, my, I've got my team in the back. And guys, if you need somebody to pray with you, if you need somebody to ask questions, guys, all on the back of the room is my team. If you're sitting next to somebody that, that you know is hurting, put your arm around them. Let them know, hey, I'm here. I'm fighting for you. If you know somebody's dealing with something, put your arms around them. Show them that you love them. Because guys, having a fight is about having a team. It's about the people in this room. So guys, look, having a fight also means that I'm not scared to stand up and say, hey, I'm ready for a relationship with God. That's what it means to have a fight. guys. sometimes being a leader, it means doing things that make you uncomfortable. But I promise you what's going to happen at the end of the day, God, is going to make you stronger. It's going to build up this tolerance for culture. This tolerance for how society, how your school, how people that you you call your friends tell you to act. So here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you. If you know you're ready to make a decision for Christ, I want to challenge you. Go in the back. Use one of our guys. Nobody sees you. All heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. But walk to the back. So guys, I'm going to count to three. So one, if you're ready to make a decision, if you know that's you, if you know you need that, two, guys, they're in the back. They're waiting for you. Guys, there's people sitting around you that that have a relationship with Christ, that want to show you who he is as well. There's leaders and adults in the room. If you need somebody right now, just put your hand up. Say, hey, I just need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to hold me. I just need somebody to listen to me. And I promise you, one of our adults, one of our leaders will walk over to you. If that's you, just lift your hand up. Guys, two and a half. If you need it, if you're ready, if you're, you're ready for a relationship with Christ, now's the time. Now's the time. Have that faith. Have that fight. Have it in you. Alright guys, so this is it If you're ready for this If you're ready to accept Christ If you're ready to have that relationship with Him Don't be afraid Stick your hand way up in the air One of our leaders will come to you and pray for you in a moment The worship band is going to play So this is your chance This is your chance right here to say I'm ready, I'm ready to have a relationship with God So one Two Three Hands in the air if that's you If you're ready for a relationship with God Stick your hand up One of our leaders will come over to you They'll walk up to you. There's hands going up around the room. Guys, that's amazing. We got guys up front with their hands up. Guys, it's okay. If you're ready for that fight, if you're ready for that commitment, put your hand up. They'll talk to you. They'll they'll walk you through it. Guys, I just want to take a minute. I want to let our worship band just play for a moment. And I want you just to spend time with Christ. Spend time with God. Spend time with the people that are around you just for a moment. said God God I'm ready to have a fight for you I'm ready to to take that life on I'm ready to be a contender I'm ready to have a pit bull mentality when it comes to having a relationship with you that when they walk out of this room tonight God they walk out changed that they walk out different than when they walk through these doors and God I ask that as they leave tonight and they walk into their schools tomorrow that they stand tall That they don't allow society to tell them who their God is. That they don't let society or culture or their friends or wherever they are tell them how they should worship our God. God, I thank you for each and every one of the hearts of these students. God, I ask that you use each and every one of these students to, to change this generation. God, I believe I will fight this generation until every last part of me has run dry. God, I believe that each and one of these students do the exact same thing for you. God, we love you. God, we thank you for what you're doing in the lives of these students. We thank you for, for everything that you have planned for them, everything that you're doing. It may not be seen by them yet, but God, I ask that you make it apparent to them. You show them the purpose that they have what they're made to do. And uh, God, I hope you show them the the power they have in this generation. God, in your holy and blessed name we pray. Amen. Guys, let's just take a moment and let's just celebrate what God did in this room tonight. Can we give a yell out? Come on, give me that two claps and a Ric Flair. Two claps and a Ric Flair. Two claps and a Ric Flair. When you guys leave tonight, remember, have a faith that fights. Have a faith that is going to change this world, guys. I believe in each and every single one of you, guys. We we did these shirts for a reason, because we want you to see that, the guys, you're together. You're not by yourself. Each and every one of these guys in here that's wearing a shirt like you are, guys, they're going to fight for you. Guys, we love you. I promise you that we will fight for this generation until the very end. We'll fight for this generation for another year and for another year and after that and after that. until guys, either we have nothing left or God decides, hey, it's time to come home. Guys, we love you. We thank you guys for being here tonight. We thank you for, for being a part of our stuff. Guys, we love you. We hope you have a great night. We hope we see you guys next Wednesday night. We'll see you guys next week. Love you guys.